This is Draco, uh, Bleeding Out Podcast, all that, all that shit, man. I just wanted to uh, use this part of the shit to say, uh, man, man, hey, hey, I love you. Everybody out there listening, uh, you know what I mean? Just, just know I do love you. All my supporters, all my day ones, all my motherfucking niggas, all my goddamn, uh, all, the, all the women in my life, uh, shit, everybody. Even if I don't know you, man, if you fuck with me, if you love me, I love you back, man. I don't see no hate, man. Not at all. You know what I mean? I just want to, uh, just put out some positive energy, man, and, and everybody out there that that spreads that positive energy all day, and and and, and that's how, that's what you living for. You ain't about all that negative shit, man. Shout out to y'all, man. Uh, you know what I mean? And 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 also everybody out there, I want y'all to be healthy. You know, as best as you can, make sure you 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 still watching out, man. COVID is still a very real thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Just just make sure you you being safe out there. Uh, go to the gym. Man, eat a salad, man. Eat, eat an apple, man. Slice up an apple, man. Put some peanut butter on that motherfucker. It's the last time you did that. You know? That's a question. That's a real question. You know what? I've been doing a little bit here and there. You feel me? I, I, I was getting fat for a second. And I'm trying to get motherfucking right. You feel me? Trying to get buff out here, nigga. You know what I mean? Let's fuck all that other extra little bullshit, man. We need to get right, man. Because life is too good, man. I just wanted to say, man, you know what I mean? Don't forget. Tell somebody you love them every single day, cause 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 life's short for real. I ain't no goddamn life instructor or whatever, but man, man, spread love, man, stay healthy, and get you some motherfucking money, nigga. That's what this year is about, man. I ain't gonna waste no more of y'all time, man. This is uh my my podcast episode with Steven. Uh, Steven, his ad name is Pitch for Pennies. Uh, he's a cool dude. He, th- he was throwing some parties out here. He, he, he he's an entrepreneur, um, real idea having ass motherfucker. So, it, and it took me a minute to get this out. I've been kind of busy doing a bunch of other shit, but I'm trying to stay in the groove of having this podcast. So bear with me, man. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't got nothing else to say, man. I love y'all, and uh, you know, man, let's start the motherfucking show. Three, let's get it. Two. One, yeah, Draco and his but oh no 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 uh, hello everybody man my <laughs> name is Draco McCoy I am your host this is bleeding out podcast uh uh man 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 bleeding out all over the place it's it's a, it's a figure of speech you know what I mean I'm trying not to do the whole <laughs> bleeding out yeah yeah go. can you pick it up a little bit uh just a little yeah, yeah. yeah all right I have my man Stephen uh. Can you tell me your last name again? Russell. Stephen Russell at Pitch for Pennies. Um, he's a, a great person. And I want to start off with an apology before we get in <laughs> about what he does. Because we did this podcast before already, man. <laughs> we went over to uh, to Healer. Shout out to them for letting me use their space. Mm-hmm. And we did this whole, we got 40 minutes into this motherfucker. And, and we did not, I, I, I did not secure the batteries, you know? Shit died. We lost the whole thing. I was devastated. You feel me? <laughs> and then look, check this out. Get more batteries. Come back. Try to do it again. Get another. Mm. Damn, what was it? 30 minutes in? Yeah. 30 solid. minutes in. My shit wasn't even recording. You feel me? So mm. look, that's just how shit goes sometimes. But look, we finna do it again, man. How you doing today, Steven? I'm feeling good. Feeling great. Hell yeah. How are man. you? I'm I feel I'm I'm I feel alive. That's beautiful. You know what I mean? It's a it's another day. Damn. Um can you tell the people what you do for a living? Um, do a lot of things. Uh, main thing most people probably know me for is Larry Pati. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is a party that we did kind of grew from a little small uh, refurbished church to big ass um, mega party, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and then now transition to doing, uh, you know, advertising and, you know, pitching creative ideas to local businesses. So uh, that's what I do. I like that. I like that. Well, I, when I seen uh, the events that you were throwing out in mm-hmm. Fountain Square, that was my first time seeing uh, just 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 so many people that I knew, like my age range mm-hmm. out there, they spilling out into the streets trying yeah. to figure out what they finna do next. You know, <laughs> that was a crazy time. Uh, I want to talk about that in a little bit, but first, mm-hmm. are you from Indy? I'm from originally from DC, but I went to high school here, so I say I'm from Indy. Yeah, yeah, and you went to um, you went to North Central, right? Yeah, the greatest high school. In the state, yeah. in the land. Hey, tell them. You know me? Represent. I like North Central. It was cool. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, would, I tell people, like, it's like college before college for me personally. But, I mean, some people say that's not much of anything. But, I mean, it gave me all the opportunities is where I learned to find myself. So, yeah. I give it its credit. That's good. I like that. Uh, how'd you like growing up? You said in D.C.? Well, I here pretty much half my life, so... Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. So this is what we talked about last time. So you moved mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. fifth grade. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. Yeah. I'm from Fort Wayne, and I moved here, fifth grade. I went to Belzer. Mm, yeah, yeah, over on by, like, LC, kind of like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, yeah. Uh, how was it like growing up, I guess, you know, growing up in Indy for you? It was uh, pretty... For me, it was pretty cool, because, I mean, it was something different than going from, like, a major city to, like, a more... Not not a not major city, but just a slower city. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of culture shock for me just because, like, I didn't really, you know, you kind of, like, as a kid, you kind of have your friends and then you just stick with them. But going to a whole nother space and a whole new environment, you have to kind of learn to adapt. And for me, it takes a little bit of time to kind of just feel things out, at least at that time. So it was a, trend, it was a transition, but once I kind of found my niche as far as my friends, mm-hmm. it kind of... Took everything kind of took care of itself. I could see that. What were you into coming up? Um, definitely uh, basketball, football, sports heavy, ESPN all the time. Yeah. Um, Did you play? Yeah. So I played football, baseball, b- basketball. Then uh, he did it all. Once it got to a point where you realize your talent um, and your work ethic are uh, probably not as good as it needs to be to <laughs> you know keep going, at least keep elevating to the next level. Yeah. You kind of get humble real quick. You need to find another option as far as what you're about to do with your uh, free time or your future, I should say. Yeah, for sure. Shit, man. I stuck I stuck to rapping. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this shit. I remember <laughs> I remember, I couldn't shoot the motherfucker to save my life. I, I, I don't even remember, like, the first day I just realized it was just like, yeah, not for me. Like, I just remember just being like, nope, I'm cool. <laughs> I remember I, the moment I realized it was... The sports is not long longer for me. It was when I got to North Central and I had the freshman team, and I realized I walked into the gym and I seen cats dunking. Yeah, and of course they my age. I'm like, oh shit, like yeah, yeah it's, it's quite animals for yeah. They really like. I think it's something <laughs> about like public school lunch that like it's something that's like mutated or something it's like that. Fucking, it's them fucking pizza squares <laughs> with the goddamn pink milk. Hey, <laughs> some that combination is terrible for your stomach, but for some reason it makes strong kids. Yeah, and she was like, hey man. It was a time though. I'm telling you. Uh, let's see. Um, at this point, like you know, like branding mm-hmm. and and throwing events and shit mm-hmm. like that. Like, uh, what sparked your interest in that? I mean, I think since 
I think it's kind of one of those things you kind of grow into. I mean, for me, the beginning was learning or coming into like hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. For me, it was through the style, as far as just wanting to be fresh. Yeah. Uh, from back way back in the day, like having throwback jerseys and shit. Yeah. And uh, really, like All Star NBA All Star Weekends kind of really kind of opened my eyes to like culture, like what it actually means. And so, like long story less long, my stepfather. Um, Back in D.C., the first All-Star Weekend I went to was in D.C. in 2001. And um, from there, we would go every year. So Philadelphia, Denver, Atlanta, L.A., so on and so forth, like, for years, up until probably, like, high school. And so it was kind of one of those things that kind of helped me understand, like, there's a world outside of my zip code Mm -hmm. and understand there's different cultures, different people who do different things. So it was the thing I could identify early on was, like, how people dress. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, cool. We all... Fresh is kind of, you know what, as far as the black culture, hip-hop culture, is like, you got to have, you know, your clean sneakers, got to have your, your fresh jeans hang right, you know, whole your, your whole image. And so that was kind of what got me, that was like a gateway drug to like what I do now, which is really understanding culture and how it works. Mm-hmm. And being in this place like Indianapolis, it's kind of a cool thing because it's like, it's an opportunity, like a blank canvas where like I can use my understanding and my travels and kind of blend what, makes Indianapolis cool with what is cool in the world and kind of find that sweet spot to kind of make or elevate Indianapolis in a cool cultural way. I agree with that. You know, I do feel like there's a, a lane for every every interest out here, yeah. which is kind of cool, you know what I mean? And since everything's pretty open-ended and uh, I wouldn't say like any, any uh, there's, there's any, I don't think there's anything that's unreachable out here, you know what I mean? Like anything that you could try to get started somewhere else, you could go ahead and certainly... Uh, find your find your footing in indie, which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah, it's all about finding the uh, people. Like it's kind of I was on a clubhouse not long ago, and uh, a friend of mine who I met in Vegas uh, doing just fashion shit. He uh, had a panel just talking about how do you you know creative creatives kind of using their platforms, using their skills to kind of uh, create change or you know aid change. And I one of those things that kind of made me think about is like in every city, it's about community it's all about finding and tapping in who who's who and yeah. finding your niche and then going from there so like you can get that in indie and it's just about people kind of understanding like all right i have an idea what i want to do who do i need to reach out to to kind of like make that vision a reality yeah i'm also getting excited to, you know to see the point where uh you could get that started here and then not have to leave here to finish yeah. it off you know what i mean like it's all uh, about building infrastructure really for sure That's yeah 100 um so when you started feeling like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and I, I like this whole culture of getting fresh and, mm-hmm. and all these different things. I know um, we were talking about last time that you mm-hmm. had started your own uh, or you were getting ready to start oh, yeah. um, your, what was the bodega? Yeah, so it was a uh, Rockford bodega. So senior high school, top of the year, coming as summer was closing, I had uh, couldn't get like a retail job. So I was like, well, shit, I already know what school I'm going to and I know what I want to do for school and I want to be a fashion buyer. So that's like, you know, the stuff you see in Barney's or Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, oh, even Macy's even, all those, all those brands that's in there, there's a person who buys that from the brand direct yeah. and sells it retail. For sure. So um, I was like, well, damn, I can't get it. I ain't, I ain't, you know, finish line's not fucking with me. You know, got sold. They don't really take interns or whatever. They keep it pretty tight knit. So I'm like, well, damn, what am I supposed to do? So I kind of figured, let me just start my own shit and, you know, put my own money up and try to figure out that way. So I used my Dairy Queen money that was... uh. <laughs> making and invested in that but the first thought was uh 
asked my mom, like, hey, can you invest in me? Mm-hmm. Can you give me like $100? And she was just like, yeah, create a blueprint, create a business plan. And I was like, all right, cool. Knocked it out in an hour. Came back to her and she was like, she looked at it. And I actually like, yo, so can I, like on some Shark Tank shit, like, can I, <laughs> can I like get the hundred? And she was like, nah. And I was like, fuck. All right, this is a uh, humbling as hell. So like, let me try to figure out what I need to do. So I just kind of use what I had, which was Dairy Queen. I like that. I like that a lot. So, so what was the first thing that you purchased for your? Because basically, you wanted to uh, start your own online distribution type of store. Yeah, pretty much the goal was to bring, kind of really test out the idea, test out like, okay, I know I got good taste and shit, but like, how does it translate into like money? Yeah, because you I mean being cool is cool. Until you broke and it's not cool no more. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let me try to figure out how is my taste, how can I marry my taste and like practice making it practical to like get products here that people will want. Mm-hmm. Um you remember the first things you bought? Yeah, I remember reaching out to a lot of different brands. And um the first brand I think I reached out to was like a lot of plunder slash convolute brands. But yeah. the one brand that gave me a shot, the first brand that gave me a real shot was um like Jorich LA, which is kind of like uh, this kind of like w- both mainly women's brand, but I kind of I thought the shit they had was dope. So I'm like, well, damn, I could probably find some girls that like like fuck with it. Yeah. Um, and after them was uh, uh, Doughboy Magic, or now known as DBM. Uh, shout out to Joe Fresh Goods. And then the third one was um, Hall of Fame. I want to say, nice. which is based out in LA. They do mainly like jerseys and. Um, and stuff like that so it started off just really streetwear heavy and then um, it kind of took it from there oh I think even then I had like a lot of snapbacks so it was like I think I had went to Deadstock Vintage got a bunch of snapbacks from them yeah just cause yeah, I, knew, move. I knew people was just kind of like fucking with it I was fucking with it so a lot of it was kind of like me part ex- started off as like expression of like my taste level of what I was into and my friends were into cause we was all getting fresh so I'm like well shit my friends like this kind of shit and I like this shit like and people fuck with us because we fresh. So it's like, well, shit, let me try to put y'all on through this way. Yeah. Um, but it was some challenges along the way, too. I believe that. So so coming from, what what do you feel like uh, you learned the most from, you know, trying to start this? And mm-hmm. uh, how far did it go? Um, the Like the lessons learned, I guess? Yeah. You know, like, all right. So what did you take from from... This experience, I guess, get, oh. trying to get this business off the ground. Um, I had took probably the biggest takeaway was like learning about myself and learning that like it's really nothing I really can't do if I really like take the time to like focus and hone in on like end goal and reverse engineering that shit. So like it was kind of just like me, you know, hearing no from people who telling me like I'm trying to buy products from them and they're telling me no. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? What's going on? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to give you money. But I, like, but I had to understand that, you know, they have a brand and they want to protect it and they want to have it in certain stores because it elevates their brand. Yeah. But even personally, I think the biggest takeaway was just outside of just knowing the work ethic or knowing how hard I can work is um, understanding that just because you like something doesn't mean it's going to make money. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most humbling experience. Yeah. Um. So I was like, okay, yeah, I got good taste and shit, and yeah, I know what's culturally going on, and what's cool. But if I don't know how to make it make sense for whoever I'm trying to, who I want to have buy it, then it's never ever really going to connect. You know, that's tough trying to figure out uh what you want to just be a fan of and what you want to you know turn into a business yeah. as part of like you know what you're into. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because 
you know, if you like anything enough, I guess you could try to figure out a way to make money around it. But yeah. I guess that's not always necessary. It's a it's a balance, man. And I think that's something I would also add to that takeaway piece is you kind of really have to understand that it's a business. Yeah. And I think one of the first real, realizations of that was going to a trade show in Vegas. And um, I went there 19. Then I went there when I was 20. The time I was 20, it really hit me that this is a business. not like... Like, yeah, we may like clothes and you may think, you know, may have good style or whatever, but I was there and I'm like 20. A lot of these people were like a lot older than me. They're like in their 30s, late 20s. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, these guys have whole brands they've been doing. Definitely. And like there's minimums to like purchasing orders and like sometimes they, they'll curve you. And it's just, it's a, it's a kind of like a mind fuck because it's like, damn, you would think because like, you have to get out your head of like thinking of like a consumer when you're in that business. Mm. You're, you're doing business to business business so um it was like a, a learning experience and i would say like if you do anything you want to make money from what you're trying to do or what you're into you have to understand that like you have to it's not about you like you it may start off with your interest yeah but you also have to keep in mind like who what you're creating is for for sure so uh what year was this that you got that you uh started doing that so it started 2012 like fresh like slowly a month after high school and then ended it Officially ended it in 2015, but yeah. uh, 2014 is when we started. I started to do like a rebrand of it. Nice. Uh, you went to college, right? Mm -hmm. And where'd you go? So I was, went to Columbia College, Columbia College in Chicago, which is like a art school, pretty much. Um, How'd you like it out there? What'd you go for? Uh, fashion business. So that was kind of like a. It was like a two for thing where like I kind of thought ahead of like, all right. I'm going to school to be a buyer, but like, let me start this business to kind of like help with like a resume. So like, yeah. when I about time I get out, or if I choose to kind of just go into the workforce, I have some practical experience as opposed to some of my competitors for getting those jobs where they probably just have like an internship. Like that's smart, you know. That's smart for you know. I feel like uh, for certain things, uh, you know, maybe like your experience might be a little bit more. Um, uh, uh, valuable than a degree but you know I feel like a lot of things uh, you know if you don't have a degree you're not finna get the job you know yeah and that's something that I think I've even experienced personally is just like you know one I think it's really I would say it's all about personal what you're personally willing to withstand and what you're willing to give up it's always a sacrifice yeah I remember one guy um, when I was younger he was telling me like you could either bet on your experience or bet on your education mm -hmm. and he was kind of just breaking it down like, you know, you can go to school and you could do that. And that's kind of like, it's probably the best interest. I, I would advise everybody to do that. But if you know what you're wanting to do and you know how to get around that, like, then you make that decision. Like, everybody has those choices. But For sure. Did you um, end up graduating? Me? I did not. I actually stopped uh, when I came back. So I transferred to go from... Columbia to IPY. Mm -hmm. And then once I kind of got there and I started, of course, you had, since I'm home, I'm working. Yeah. And of course, you get better opportunities because you're in school. So, like, once I did that, started working with Finish Line and doing that whole, going through that whole gamut of like having an internship and then kind of trying to work my way. And then I think that's when they started doing other retail initiatives. So I was helping with that. And so when I, once I kind of got my foot in the door, it was kind of like, well, shit, like, I'm already here. Like, I don't necessarily... It kind of became a quick thing of, like, I don't necessarily need to do mm -hmm. this anymore. But that's just a personal decision. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you said, what year is this again? This is... When you came back from uh, college. 
So once I got here, um, this is probably 2014, 2014, 2014. 15. And then uh, this is when you, did you, Start getting involved or, um, uh, you know, open up your eyes to the local uh, culture that we have here as far as uh, what surrounds the, the art and music scene. Yeah, so that's kind of where even going back a little couple of years before that was uh, with The Good Life with uh, Jasmine, uh, also known as uh, Little Introvert, where she did the Good Life events and she yeah. was the one that put me on. Shout out to her. Me, made room for me to uh, really pedal my shit, which was like um, my Rock Bodega shit, like bring it from online to in person. So... Um, that was kind of a, that was a really kind of a cool opportunity. And that was kind of where I got my footing in being in Found Square, doing the, going to shows yeah. uh, at Huger Dome, you know, from seeing uh, Flick, uh, Flacco, uh, 80s Dad, you know, the whole board uh, guys. Um, Shout out to all of them. And so um, that was a good moment. Even like, hey, Zeus, he was doing shows back then. Uh, Block Boy, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, Love. E-Jazz. It was, a, it was a very small, tight-knit group, but it was like a cool kind of community to kind of get into. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of really kind of opened the door as far as like a lot of generations, not even generations, because it was pretty similar generation, but like, I feel like it kind of, that whole era in 2012, 2013, 14, really opened it up for like other kids to come down there and like oh shit I'm gonna get into some shit yeah. and like try some shit so I like that uh, actually that whole group of people you know around that time is what I was focused on as well yeah. you know including the you know Oreo and Series Black but mm-hmm. uh, you know I feel like uh, that was the perfect group of people to just like help me realize that um, you know I could there was a, a sense of creativity like a little extra uh, something I could feel like I, I could fit into you know yeah yeah uh, so I liked it. Um, uh, is there anything else that you try to do before throwing events? Um, no. Once I kind of start working and you start making money, you like, oh shit, like this is it's lit. Like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about at least in the world that we live in. It's like, can you monetize? You know, take what you like to do or what you love to do. Um, the worst of be the worst case of being what you like to do and make money. So I was doing that. So I was working in. Uh, financial services and then of course do, once I kind of left finish line doing that I was like alright let me try to f- try my hand at different things because mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to at the end of the day be work for myself so like I knew that was the end goal for me I just knew that like I need to kind of like take on jobs to kind of give me those skills because being in school as long as I was I mean it was it was great but I like I just know for me personally I just needed to like I'm a visual hands-on learner, so like I need to like do it. I'm the same way, man. Um, you know, being in school really felt mind-numbing for me because yeah. it's like, give me the job, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm only here to get the job. Give me the job. And I hated the fact that if you ain't go to school, then a lot of the things that I was trying to go to school for, like, you know, you, you try to get the job and they tell you you need like four years experience or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? And that's where I realized too, like having relationships really help a lot. Um, for sure. I think that's one of those, I think that's kind of how I've kind of managed is just building relationships with people and just always being a real one, like yeah. always looking out for people and they take care of you. So um, for sure. that's kind of, I think when it comes to school, I guess I never really stressed it too much because I just knew what I wanted to do and I knew how to get what I wanted from situations. So for sure. I mean, I, like again, to other people, it may be, you know, it works, for, it works for them. And I think, again, I definitely advise, I'm t- probably telling my kids to go to school. <laughs> well, I'm telling my kids to go to school because I just, I want them to know that it's okay to finish things and, you know, yeah. and build your uh, your personal, I mean, is it, I want to say like resume, but, you know, just to have that type of stuff under your belt, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's, I would say that's a, 
that's probably the key thing. I think everybody I know and everybody I work with, it's kind of like they all have they all have done that. Yeah, high, high level. So I never, I'm never, I'm not one of those people who like are against it or anything. I just, I'm kind of just more self aware than most people. Yeah. So like, I kind of just know what works for me. But also, I, I want to stress to them like to make sure that they go for the right things instead of wasting their time. You know, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna be in there for however long, make sure it's something that'll work out for you at the end of the day, you know? I think you have to look at it. I think we probably have to look at it. I would t- tell people, I'm talking about look, my, my siblings, this is too, it's just like, because they're starting to get of age, is like, be practical. Like, understand, yeah. like, it's an investment. Yeah, It's something that you're just going just to go. Like, you're, it's, you're paying money for this. So you want to make sure you get a return on your investment like you would playing stocks or, you know, investing in property, investing in the business. So definitely, you're just investing in yourself. So, But, you know, one thing that uh, that I, I like about you is how you say, like, you know, you realize that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. You wanted to work for yourself and everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, that is something that I know a lot of people feel. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to uh, to take that next step and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do now. You know what I mean? Especially when you are used to working full time, yeah. bouncing job to job or doing whatever. At the end of the day, it don't feel right. And you're ready to go ahead and uh, and hit the ground and do what you got to do. So I wanted to uh, talk about mm-hmm. Larry Party. Yeah. How you say it again? Larry Party. Larry Party. How'd you come up with that name? Um, I literally, so it goes back to like uh, the, the rebrand of Roxbury Bodega to Mason Paisley. So it was going to transition from streetwear to more cut and sew uh, offerings. Mason Paisley, mm-hmm. that's a nice name. So it's kind of like elevated. So I think with the when I was building the website, I was creating a uh, website to where you could, pl- as you browse for the clothes, you can make music, you can hear, listen to music. Kind of how you would go into Macy's or any kind of retail store yeah. and play music in there. I was trying to bring it digitally. So create more of an experience online. And this is probably, yeah, 2015. Yeah. So I'm kind of like transitioning out of school at that point, um, like fully transitioning out of it. And um, at that point, I was building the site and then I kind of th- think like, okay, I want to create like a block party feel for the music. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking like, okay, what's what's going to be a cool name? And I kind of thought like, okay, I like, I fuck with Caribbean culture and just how the feeling, the vibe as far as block parties and then how they kind of go, how they handle their parades and how they hand, how they celebrate just in general. Yeah, it gets, um, it gets live. So I kind of always wanted to have that feel when it comes to the music because that's kind of the energy I liked even growing up when uh, the reggaeton, um, you know, kind of like that dance hall reggaeton era was like, you know, I think it was like old, say oh one to like oh four. Yeah. Where like it was super heavy. Maybe even then in 05, where it was like really heavy from like Beanie Man heavy, uh, Sean with Barrington Levy heavy. Yeah, uh, you were you was really into that. Wayne Wonder. Yeah, because I was like, I was outside as a kid, like you just feeling the music. And that's the music I was really resonating with. So like I would want to kind of capture that nostalgia feeling of like being outside, good vibes. And I wanted to bring that to like how that music contrasts the clothing, which was like very elevated, but then juxtapose it with really kind of like grounded um light you know feel good music so i like that so so larry larry Patti, it, mm-hmm. it was it started off as a playlist yeah so it started off as a playlist and it was just like it wanted to be, have its own separate thing so it's kind of i kind of came up with it through so larry Patti is a street party in haitian creole so um i was like oh, cool that's a cool name and it looked just like on paper it just looked good because it's four letters and I start stacking them or like yeah. playing with the type. And I was like, oh, this looks good. It seems like it can work well. I can do different things with it. Mm-hmm. I can manipulate the type a lot um, with it when it comes to different ideas with like merch or some shit. So I like that. I like that a lot. Um, 
Did you ever start DJing? Um, no, I was always doing playlists, like, cause I just knew, like, I knew what songs were sound good, and I, cause I know people, my friends were like, "Yo, what's what's this? What's that? What's that?" Yeah. And um, I always like to be on shit early or like shit before it really cracked. And I think not even like some try hard shit. It's just like I'm always looking for the newest shit. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know that DJing shit is hard anyway. Yeah, that's a lane I can't touch. I didn't man. even think of. I didn't. I even 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 consider DJing at that time because I just didn't know that. I thought you know. I just like good music. I didn't really think to like mix it yeah. together. I really appreciate DJs a lot. Oh yeah, especially after like you know taking my time and, and seeing how they work in the clubs and how they like finesse the uh, the crowds and shit like that. Right? It's, it's, a, a, it's a different I tell people, thing. We man. gotta really respect DJs a lot more, and I think that's kind of why I started the the party itself because it was just like a lot of the DJ homies that I knew they wasn't really getting no love as far as being booked or nothing like that. And I was yeah. like, well, damn, these dudes is dope. They mix as fire as hell. So, like, and they play shit that, like, most people play at home. So, like, let's just do the math. Like, so what made you turn uh, your playlist idea into into an actual event? Um, Probably came down to, like, being fed up with just, like, going out and not hearing new music. Yeah. Um, But I had... I think later on I learned why we don't hear like new music at the time, but at the time of like ha- having that epiphany to do it or like that gumption to do it, it was like I went to like Luzi's verse concert. It was like the second concert he had in Indy, and um, that's that's the story yeah. that we made it to. When yeah, my, when I, when my <laughs> shit fucked up. So like long story that's long. That February, uh, twenty seventeen, he had dropped a little three pack where it had like YSL. Uh, Love Scars and it had EXO Tour Life of yes. course three records that yes. when they first dropped no one really you know it was like okay Uzi dropped like if you're an Uzi fan you're like alright cool new music let's get it that shit um, my personal <sighs> favorite on that off rip was like the YSL cause that shit I love me some bass and that shit was just knocking so heavy in my fucking Civic so yeah. I was like damn this is lit um, but then EXO Tour Life everybody knows that's the one that really took off took off but like at the Crazy. time, like it wasn't like a record. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like this is a little chill vibe record. Not realizing like what this record was going to be. Mm-hmm. So fast forward from February to that May. Of course, Uzi has a concert on my birthday. Ironically, it's like, damn, it really can't get no better. My favorite artist with on my birthday. Like it really can't get no better than that. Go to that concert. I'm like, damn, it's just lit. Damn near died because of all the carbon dioxide in the mo- in the mosh pit and shit. Um, and then of course, the probably weeks later, a couple weeks later, I had my roommate Bryce was like, "Yo, oh, we going out all the time. We going down Square. We going to Bar Ripple. We going downtown." And yeah, like, was club hopping, man. Just <laughs> club hopping, bar hopping, wherever yeah. you want to call it, hole in the wall. It don't matter. We was going there. If they had girls there, we was there. Yeah. And it got to a point where like we it was so disgusting that we had to kind of like we went to so many places in the city where we had to we had to kind of like decide like shit Friday night we get off work like all right what we about to do where we going tonight we going downtown or we going what club we going to because we knew certain clubs like they may have the girls but then the music be trash as hell yeah or conversely it'll be the spot that had a good ass music that's like may not be new but it is serviceable like we can vibe out but then the girls be eh. So it's like, what you gonna do? So <laughs> it took point, me so long to get into that whole scene down there, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you. I told people all the time, like, even when people when people come into town, I'm always telling them like, don't just go downtown. Like our downtown is it's it's a nuance to it. Like it's ask somebody that goes to other places yeah. as opposed to someone who just goes downtown because it's 
it, you have to have someone who's going to set the expectation of what it's going to be. Yeah, somebody's going to be real with you. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I talk about time, like, if I go to X Club, I'm going to tell my rep, like, this is what it's going to be. Like, it's going, and I start to ask people, like, what, what do you like? Yeah. Let me ask the question first before I send you off on some bullshit and you be like, damn, indie trash. And then nigga, nigga want to leave so bad. It's yeah. Like, Man, I don't know. I'm about to get an Uber, bro. So that's why like, the crib, and that's another reason why I like being in indie because it's like, you really, like, if you really outside for real here, like, you can really help other people who are, even in the city who don't go out or don't do shit or don't really explore the city, you can kind of help educate them on like, yo, this this is how you need to kind of go about it based on your preferences. Yeah. But to go back to your answer your question directly, it was like after that party, hit up Bryce like, yo, um, I'm about to do this party shit because we've been going out and we ain't hearing the music we like. He was like, shit, all right. And I was like, all right, let me try to figure out how to do this because, again, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just like, I got an idea. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to contact. I ain't got no you know resources. I'm just like a dude who, go, who goes out. So... Um, it probably took maybe like six to eight months to find an actual space that would like say, yeah, we'll let you do it. Mm-hmm. And that was Grove House, which is uh, in Found Square. And Grove um, House, man. Yeah, they uh, closed up maybe 2019. Shit. Yeah, a couple years ago, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Grove House. I shot a video it was, there. It was a nice, it's, it's a nice little space, man. And I don't know what they're going to do with it now, but it was, uh, it was a, I'm, I'm grateful for Carrie for even saying yeah yeah shout and, out uh, <laughs> much love let me uh, let me uh do that and of course uh going to that event we've had the first official one was uh june of 2018 june 9th and um how'd it go go house is like how would you describe that building it's like a church ain't it yeah refurbished church where yeah. they it's like it kind of reminds me of like a high school dance kind of vibe but yeah. then also like a church at the same time so For sure um, when we got there, there was like me going into it. I told my girlfriend at the time, like, "Yo, if either people show up, it's lit. Like, I feel like we done, we succeeded." So went in that day. The time was, I think, looking back on it, I chose a weird time to have a party, which was like from seven to eleven, which is kind of like really weird on a Saturday. But they didn't have anything later than that, so I was like, "All right, cool. I gotta just work what I got." But um, it turned out well, you know. Um, <laughs> Quiet as Kevin It was kind of like Turned into like a BYOB Kind of thing Cause it had no bar But people was like Yeah I'm trying to drink So people was just Kind of bringing Their own shit in there Yeah um, So it kind of like Had like a house Kind of kickback feel to it But um, 95 people showed up And I was like Damn that's kind of like That's kind of lit Now to other people Who do events They probably be like Shit this shit ain't nothing But I was kind of gassed I'm like again I never done nothing like that mm-hmm. I never really put myself In a situation where like Shit for other people to kind of, you know, fuck with it. So um, once that happened, I should start asking people, like, what could be better? And um, they were like, yo, get a bar. Like, yeah. we need a how'd bar. How'd you set it up the first time? Like, how'd you find the DJs? And uh, how'd you um, get the word out about it? It was, I just knew people. I knew Brooke, just kind of knew she DJed. Um, and her, I heard her mixes, so her mix was always fire. And Shout so, out. so I was like, shit, let me hit her up. And then she actually hit me up. She, I remember we was talking one day at... Um, Frozen Tears, which is AO and uh, CP, who now own Cargo, is their old shop. Yeah. And she was like, um, you, ever, you ever hit up uh, AD, which is uh, Ferris Bueller. And he was like, uh, I was like, yo, you know what? I totally I totally blanked. I didn't know. I forgot he did EJ. Like, <laughs> and I think at the time, I don't think he was like DJing heavy at the time, but I knew he was kind of getting into it. And I was like, well, damn. 
Let me just hit him up and see if he's down to do it. Yeah. And so at that point, those are the two. And like Brooke and, and AD were like the foundation to that, like helping and really kind of setting the tone for what Laurie is or what it was to be. So um, so what, what's some advice that they had gave you when you were, uh, you know, looking to make it better? Um, besides the besides the beer situation or not oh, the beer, people the in general situation. Yeah. Like uh, what would you do different the next time? Um, the next time it was just like really uh one hit the hit up the venue and I was like asking them like okay can we get the spot it was a pioneer they're like yeah we'll do like a trial period thing mm-hmm. but as far as like trying to like grow it was just kind of like just really connect with the people that was there like yeah I mean I I personally feel like if anybody's fucking with your shit or or trying to like reach or engaging with your stuff like I feel like. I mean, they don't owe me that and I don't necessarily owe them anything for doing that. But I just, out of like, I don't know, just being a real one, I just appreciate that and I want to make sure that they feel that and they, and I, and I guess, because you're interested in me when you don't have to be, I'm like, damn, let me figure out what's going on with you and how I can help you because at the end of the day, it's, it's a community and I want to make sure that like, you know, it's not a one-sided thing. Like, it's not you just paying to have a good time. Like, no, I want to make sure, like, I'm invested or at least at the bare minimum interested in what you got going on, figuring out if I know somebody can help or I, I can help personally. So it's a, for me, I kind of say it's more of like a, a friendship or a family situation than anything. I like that. Uh, I, I've never thrown any shows before, you know? <laughs> I threw a couple house shows. Yeah. It was uh, just ratchet. You feel me? <laughs> it was not nothing uh, that was organized at all. I think both the shows that I threw, the floor broke. It's nasty situation. It's mm-hmm. just, you know what I mean? And breaking the floor at somebody's house, man, it just makes you feel horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, damn, that shit is what it is, though. But uh, when you when you do show at a venue, like, uh, what is the process of that? Like, you said that they gave you a, a trial period, but mm-hmm. um, when you when you sell at the door and, and you, you're selling uh, liquor through them and stuff like mm-hmm. that, is it a lot of splits that you got to do? And did you have a lot of DJs the first time you did it there? I mean, I think the signs behind it was always to have I think four DJs because I wanted to have. I think at the time early on, it was the concept was to have like house, R and B, rap, and dancehall. Yeah, touching that it was all. that was very difficult to do, and I understand why people have like dedicated nights for that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, well, well, fuck it, let's try, it. let's see how it goes. But um, as far as like the DJs, like it was kind of just people. I just I was always on the time on my social media feeds, like trying to find new DJs, trying to discover new people. Or people who I just know that they don't really DJ clubs or nothing like that. Or like the promoters who do clubs don't really see them or apparently or they don't, you know, they don't try to find anybody else or new talent or whatever. So I'm like, well, shit, let me do it. Because, I mean, I know I have good taste and shit. So, like, all I got to do is hear a mix, hear yeah. how, you, how you transition. And like, all right, cool. Let's tell me how much you need and let's do it. For sure. Who else helped you put it all together? Um, Like, like did you have a team you started out with? Um. Not necessarily a dedicated team. It was kind of one of those things that kind of came organically. Like like Brooke and AD being the kind of foundation to like, I would always run ideas by them and stuff. And like, I always credited them as being like a part of the process. Yeah. Um. But, but as far as like having like a, like how a typical show runner would have, like a, a, a PA and all that shit. Like, nah, it wasn't like I had assistance or anything. It was like me showing up hitting up AD and whoever the DJs or Brooke and whoever the DJs were at that time. Like, hey, are you going to be here? This, here's the time to be here. Be here. And at that point, I was kind of managing a lot of other stuff myself, like managing the door, um, 
trying to make sure people get in here, make sure people are aware of this actually going on. 100%. Um, so I was kind of like a one-man street team at one point. I like that, man. Look, I, I noticed... I, ain't, I don't even think I remember the, like the first one that you had out there mm-hmm. at Pioneer. Mm-hmm. I remember at least the second and the third, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just when like shit was, I'm trying to go through there and walk through that motherfucker. I couldn't <laughs> even move, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's all these people from high school and shit that yeah. I was seeing again. I'm like, damn, it's my people in this motherfucker. Yeah. You feel me? But it's just slapping a little a little crazy, you know what I mean? <laughs> what problems did you have with that? Um, at Pioneer, the only we, it was so hot in that motherfucker. That bro. was the only thing because we did surveys. So like after every large, probably after the fourth or fifth one, we did surveys, and so we would ask people like, "Yo, just you know, on the email list, like, yo, just tell us, give us feedback of like what could be better, yeah. what you think of better, what's with some of those complaints or whatever." Because I want to make sure I get ahead of stuff, or at least if I can fix something, at least want to know like what I can fix. I'm all about you know constructive criticism and trying to like get better. So um, shout out to people who actually take time to like give their feedback on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing, we never really had no challenges as far as like the experience itself, but it would be like, it'd be hot. People like complain about it being hot or people complain about it taking forever to get a drink at the bar. But I'm yeah. like, at the same time, when you got like 400 people or 300, you know, I think that capacity was like 400. Um, so like, if you imagine, we if we have like 350 people, I think that, three, 250 I think, no, October of 2018, when we started doing the tr- the three-month trial period, it was, went from 224 to by December, the end of that year, it went to 391. So when you got that many people at that one space- Yeah, that venue isn't 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 huge. The bar space is not conducive to like people just wait, hella people waiting for drinks. So it's like, I was like, I get it, but and it was only like two people working back there. Yeah, cool, motherfuckers too. Yeah, they was they, trying. They was trying, and so I, I, I empathize with. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big person. Like you know, you got to kind of like understand. Like they, they're not used to this. Yeah, shout out so, to them because they was working hard. Yeah, I kept telling motherfuckers, I'm like, nigga, just go to the bar next door and come back. That's yeah. what I was doing. You feel and me? they got a liquor store down the street. Yeah, and get you a personal. Shit. And I always keep a bottle on me. <laughs> One of them things, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, so uh, let's see. At some point. You know, you ended up moving from that venue to mm-hmm. a bigger one mm-hmm. again. Uh, what was that like for you? Uh, it was stressful because it was like you really because being at Pioneer, you kind of grow to know the people that work there. So like, shout out to Davey. Uh, yeah, shout out, shout my out boy. to uh, Gons. Shout out to uh, my boy uh, Slender. Good uh, people. You know all those people over there. Um, so you kind of have a relationship because you guys are we're both invested in like making sure we do this. So. You get to know the people. And, like, I'm just a relationship type of person. So, like, I like to be familiar with people. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't know someone, get familiar. At least have a somewhat level of understanding, like, who, who's who. And um, so the transition was, like, all right, now we're kind of having to figure out we're at capacity, like, for six six months straight. Like, yeah, we're, like, it's to the point where, like, we have to, like, turn people away. It was getting crazy. And that's part where, like, I felt personally, like, bad about it because I'm like damn like this whole thing was supposed to be accessible to people have cool shit that's accessible and and like when I had to turn people away and like yo we had capacity we can't let nobody in it's like damn like it's kind of I felt kind of corny because it's like that's what clubs do like they they people like manipulate the lines and shit like that like oh we got capacity even though it's it's hella space in here yeah but like we dead ass did not have space it's a point where like it's all the windows are foggy. It's a point where people are outside in the little patio area because it's just too hot in there. So it's one of those things where like we had to because, you know, luckily nobody, people, we had a kind of grew a community where people like never had this experience before. 
So because they never had it before, people who really was here for the music and the good people and the good vibes, they police themselves. So like if any anything, I never we had no real issues for real. Like mm-hmm. We never had no fights or no, um, you know, no real drama. That's I, what I liked about it because. I remember going to a couple, you know, little bars around it mm-hmm. and motherfuckers staring out extra hard at everybody oh, yeah. being in the streets and shit. And, oh, they, they finna get in the shootout. Just watch. It's like, nah, nigga, relax. No, yeah. and that's one of those things where I think looking back on it, we really did something that really hasn't been done before. And that, in Found Square particularly, which is show that like, well, well, I don't know, man. Because, you know, Trees was going on for no, a minute. No, I'm talking about like outside of like, Trees, you have to, you and, have to, and Trees and Trees is crazy because Trees went to year five with no, I don't, know, I don't recall don't any they, fights. They, had, they never had issues. No fights, you feel Ever. me? And all, them, all them venues, bro, like it, in the whole area, you know what I mean? And I guess when I say like never been done before, which I would say it would be like we brought people who would never, who did not know about Found Square yeah. to Found Square. I'm sure Trees. Nah, they, it, was, it was a bunch of motherfuckers that that that. You know, okay, so, so, and this is what I want to tell people mm-hmm. and I always talk about as far as the hip-hop scene goes yeah. locally, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The average motherfucker does not care <laughs> about no no new artists, you know what I mean? Mm. And so I feel like the party atmosphere that you brought brought a lot of randoms, whereas like mm-hmm. rap shows is going to bring out people, or family and friends, or, or mm-hmm. people who are in the underground rap and art and shit like that. So I do see where you're coming from as far as that goes, because, you know what I mean, it's a bunch of uh, dumb people I ain't never going to see again unless I go out to the club. But that's why I always tell people all the time, even, I think I told even Seth, even like a lot of people, I always say, Laura would not be able to be done if it wasn't for Trees. Yeah. Because, and, you know, shout out to Ron, R.I.P., like him, Oreo Jones, and everybody who else that makes that happen, uh, you know, Jay Brookins, it's like... Love to all of them. That... Rest in peace, We run. would not... They make it easier for Larry to even be an idea for people. Yeah. Like, I knew that Larry would work, but it also takes the, like, the venue that you're working with to understand, like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Because I just knew, at the end of the day, all I ever needed in my life, this, regardless of Larry, like, in my life, all I ever need is an opportunity to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Because... I know I'm gonna do do what it takes. So when it comes to that, I always I always make sure it's a it's a point to like always big up Therese because when it comes to hip hop and a lot of even before them like uh, Ronald Meyer, uh, DJ Nene Jones, Metronome, uh, Limelight, all those older top speed, a lot of those older DJs who or even like Josh Baker with a uh, Hi Fi, like they they made years before we even came became a thing or any of our generation has even kind of thought to do rap or do music in that way, they brought artists in. They, they had they, those they relationships. They opened a lot of doors for everybody, Yeah, man. they really paved the way. And so that's why when Oreo Jones and creating this Teresa event, it's, it even opens up the door. When Having it designed the way it's designed as far as using multiple venues in Found Square, it made it way easier to talk to those venues as opposed to downtown or a broad river where they don't really give a fuck they just care about money and like is it gonna you know return whereas these venues like you know what we care about making money too but at the same time we'll give you an opportunity to do your own show and like yeah you just do what you do so like shout out to oreo shout out to uh uh jay brookins and, and uh rp to uh ron uh ron minor uh ron meyer ron, ron minor, minor yeah um i love Jenna jones man all right so so uh after you moved to the to the big venue, mm-hmm. uh, how long did that last for you? 
that spot was was nice, bro. Yeah, the, it had well, it had like the upstairs and the downstairs, yeah, the balcony, and all that. That was shit. Uh, insane. And the biggest challenge with that was, even going back to like the question of how you asked it was, um, the biggest challenge with that was getting people to like move with us as far as price point and experience and location. You started so, charging more. Yeah, we had to because mm-hmm. it was like now we actually had to put I had to put up a lot of money up front. Yeah. Whereas with Pioneer, it was kind of like we didn't have really put we didn't have to pay for the space or nothing. It was just like well, technically you kind of do because you you split you split money with them and shit. So it's like technically you paying that's how you paying it. But um, with the bigger space, it's like I'm putting up money and trying to make it a better experience, like adding to the experience because I feel like personally, I feel like you shouldn't charge more unless you're going to add more. That's just me. Yeah. I'm all about value. So it's, um if we're going to add something, we want to make sure it's worthwhile. But the thing is, you also have to kind of like, people are used to paying $10 to get in large. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, damn, now we're going for $10 to 20. That's like a $10 jump. It's a big jump. Now, for especially people, if you still want to buy drinks and shit. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a, it's a challenge because not only you, Asking your 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 base and your community to and say your peers, yeah, your peers be like, yo, we moving over here because one, we at capacity, we haven't turned people away. Yeah. We said the the bar, the the line for the uh, the bars a long time, so like it's no, it wasn't even like a pioneer issue. It was like it's a capacity issue. Like it's mm-hmm. we just the the space just can't handle it no more. So um, we're going to the bigger spaces. Like, all right, how do we get people to on board with this? But luckily, people who were already believing in what Laura was, they was like, "Yo, we gonna pay this twenty because it's it was like still cracking. We don't, we don't get this. We don't get this, and we understand what you're trying to do. Like, they understand what we all collectively, Ad Brooke, Slick Big, Sean, um, shout out to all of them. You know, Aliza, um, everybody who's helped contribute to this. They understand what the vision is, which is making giving Indianapolis something that's cool not just something that's popular giving yeah. something that's cool how'd you find that venue um shit that's a darn good question I was actually I remember when I was transitioning trying to figure out where how to uh, manage the space I think I found it through shit like an event website like one of these like I think it was like snapping or something like that yeah where it has like a lot of venues in your area or whatever. And I was like, okay, let me try to go through all these things. And I seen one, it was like, hmm, this looks like it. I was looking for like capacity. Like, okay, we, I know how many people are bringing in. We're bringing like 400 piece like every month. So like, all right, that space holds like maybe 800, if not more than that. So That's I was like, nice well, shit, spot. let us do it. And it looked cool. It had a higher production value. So I'm like, well, shit, let's, let's do it. It looked like a club for real. I didn't even know the whole time. I didn't know it used to be a club back in the day. A lot of people, a lot of yeah. security guards. Somebody was me. telling me about that. They said somebody got murdered in there. Yeah. Which I was like, damn, like <laughs> this is kind of crazy. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but um, I reached out to the guy, uh, Chris, and he was like, yeah, like this kind of come in, come down, kind of talk about it, see what it's what you're trying to do, and um, even then there was a lesson to be learned of now having some experience doing it. I kind of knew what to ask for. I knew what to kind of how to approach him and kind of understand what he what's in it for him. Yeah, so that I could understand how to position it in a way that makes it make sense for both parties. I know we didn't have a need for a space. He has a need to like make some money. So yeah. like how do we make that marriage make sense? So um that was probably one of the biggest challenges, which is getting people to buy into this, move over with us, and then kind of grow with us from there. The the good part about moving up to $20 was we were able to do more shit. Like we were able to like have a photo booth, 
hire Shady um, to do a backdrop or, you know, then hit up some local brands. Say, hey, I'll pay you for some shirts up front so you get that money off top and then we'll distribute it as a part of the ticket when people come in. So now we support local, but then also helping spread the word of what they got going on. I like that. So it was kind of like making Lari, at the end of the day, it kind of helped me realize what Lari can be and what I wanted to be. So I felt like it was pretty successful by that time where like we're able to kind of make it a thing where we're able to make money, but also invest whatever is left over into our community, the people who already come into our shit, mm -hmm. and invest in them. And really show, set the example of like, if we invest in each other, then Indianapolis is going to be dope. You For just sure. have to take that time to invest your dollar into, be, into each other. I like that, man. I like that a lot. Uh, when you, I know because of COVID, everything's mm -hmm. fucked up right now anyways, but mm -hmm. uh, you plan on getting back into it and doing more shows? Uh, yeah. Or events? For sure. I mean, people have been hitting me up and like people have sent me tweets or, or people talking about Laurie and I'm like, damn, like I didn't know that we had that kind of like impact because I, you know, I always say like, it's about serving. So it's all about creating something for people and then kind of letting go. Like once I create it, it's out of my hands. Like you're going to come or you don't. You're yeah. going to fuck with it or you don't. That's how but, I feel about my music. Yeah, you know. Give and it to the people and, get, and, and that's then it. sit back. I'm on to the next thing. So yeah. it's like one of those things where um, I definitely think we will definitely do some stuff. Uh, I think it's just about getting creative with it. And uh, I've been kind of teasing some stuff on my, Insta in my, on my Instagram stories about like some different ideas. Um, but... I want to kind of still feel it out. I want to see what this next couple months feel like. But I would, if I had to predict it, I would say we definitely have something for summer. Um, Hopefully. If, if nothing else, we'll have something for our anniversary for sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Anniversary. How, how, how many years would it be? It will be year three. Nice. Hell yeah. I'm into that. Uh, and I saw you had Larry, Larry Potty. Um, Larry Potty. That mm -hmm. shit makes me feel like I'm about to, uh, <laughs> man, sit on a goddamn goose boat. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, yeah, nah. Uh, I saw you had Larry Party Radio, mm -hmm. and um, you know, you had one of my songs on it, yeah. which was cool. But uh, I, I, I listened to a couple of them, and you were talking, and it sounded like a more of a podcast type of situation. Uh, how would you describe that? And are you still doing it? So that's kind of one of those things where, like, I'm a big test idea tester. So, like, when say people like some people are like perfectionists, like they want to like work on things until like. It's how they envision it. Me, I'm kind of like, if I have an idea and I feel like it's a strong enough idea to test it, I'll put it out. So with Larry Party Radio was, um, what I had an idea was like, damn, okay, we can't, it's hard to do this like local music thing at the party for some reason. Like It's like, I'm trying my best, but I had to realize I'm not a DJ, so I can't make the DJ do it. And I had to realize, okay, even when we tried to like feed songs, it's like, the DJ, and I had to realize in relation to the party, it's like, it's more of an energy. They're going off, a lot of DJs that DJ it, they go off the energy of the crowd. So Yeah, playing some local music at a, at a party like oh, that. Oh, some works. Like, some songs work, and then some songs, it's just like, it has to fit like a party vibe. Yeah. And so, um, I had to learn that. But the large part of radio with the whole essence was like, well, damn, if I, if I can't necessarily, if it's hard, if I'm finding it challenging to do it at the party, how can I, I'm going to do it like a show. Like, I have a large party radio. So, like, Kind of taking taking the ownership of like, damn, the you know the local radio station isn't really active in trying to like do that. For I I understand now for their reasons and it took uh, me a minute to yeah. understand why because I was yeah. getting I was, I remember like really really wanting to get on the radio mm -hmm. and like, it was me and Matthias and we was like yeah. we had a song and we was like yo this is feel this will be good and it like hearing the the hard truth from mm -hmm. bro. Like 
specifically why I will never be on the radio unless yeah. I get one of these specific. <laughs> yeah, so, I, that shit kind of hurt. I ain't gonna lie. It does, and it's like, but it's like I also have to realize too, like say, like certain radio stations are locally owned, and then some are national, like corporate corporate owned. So it's like back in the day. It was harder but easier as far as like I'm a center record, right? Yeah. But it was harder to make music. So like now it's easy to make music, but it's harder to get your song played. Everybody got a damn damn record. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like with Lar Party Radio was like, well, damn, I know all these local artists, I know of these local artists, and I know they have good music. Like, well, how can I service it? And so like, let me create the radio station. And with that was kind of gonna be one of those things where like let me try my hand at the whole podcasting thing. Yeah. Just to test the idea like what it is. Um, you speak well. You speak better than me. <laughs> I mean. appreciate that. Um, but, and also, I'm curious in people, I, like, I like people. So I'm like, what's well, yeah, Like, I want to kind of make it a twofer. Like, let me talk to people, get to know them, have them kind of plug their shit and kind of like, I feel like they're dope. So, like, do have a platform to speak on their shit. Yeah. And on top of that, have the music on there. But I, once I kind of figured out what that was, all right, cool. I was kind of cool off it because I'm like, all right, I tested. I know what I need to do better. And that's kind of where now, I'm about to transition doing like turning pretty much a lawyer is going to become is a, a media a media company. Mm-hmm. So um really delving into that content and lifestyle and making it really a local a for us by us kind of like um content hub where you know there's visit indie, but then there's Lari where it gives you the real, real deal of like a, a unique point of view of like Indianapolis in itself so like, I gotta know people who are into like you know all things last time when it comes to art music style food you know everything that we do culturally mm-hmm. and really packaging that up because I feel like that's what people kind of know Laurie to be is us kind of really championing Indianapolis culture when a lot of people don't really know what it is or some people say well what Indianapolis doesn't have a culture but it's there I see it every day but it, and I think even when I travel places and I come home and I'm like, damn, I see it. Like, I see the little things, the style, Indianapolis style, where it comes from, who starts the trends, what side does this or what size does that. And I know how to like, and I know my knack is really just trying to like position it, package it up and position it to make it make sense for now, people. I do, I do want to say like Indianapolis culture uh, is it, a, lot, a, a lot more complicated um, than yeah. that so do you think do you think maybe it'll be more of a a, a situation where you'll be uh, you know giving the people uh, your perception of it or will you try to try <laughs> to get you know what I mean because it's more I'm of, telling you mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot it's it's a it, lot to cover yeah it's like any city is a lot to cover but I also think like the main thing that cuts through which I learned is having a point of view mm-hmm. so um, people really are interested in that and I think one thing that made Lara successful is as a party was understanding that every DJ has its own point of view on music. Yeah. And the thing about point of view is like we're interested in other people's point of view. That's why we like following who we follow. That's why we tap into who we tap into. So For sure. And it's the music that resonates with us. Is It has a point of view. People like Kendrick Lamar because he has a point of view on storytelling and and his his upbringing. Mm. Um, and the same thing with me. I have a point of view of what Indianapolis is and what it can be. But I also know and honor and respect that there's I'm not, my opinion is definitely not the end all be all by any means, but I also know that like I'm co- pretty collaborative. So like I'm a type of person where it's like, if I don't know something, why would I try to speak on that? So I'd much rather work with somebody who knows it better than me. Let's work together on this. 
and create it because it's going to be way more authentic. And because it's more authentic, it's like truly authentic to what the experience is. Yeah. It's going to cut through. That's why I like doing this because I got no problem saying what I don't know about shit. You exactly. feel me? Damn near, if, even if I feel like I know a little bit, I might play stupid just to, you know what I mean, hear some more because I like to learn, you know what I mean? And shit, I feel like that's the easiest way to... uh to really find your footing around here is to make sure you're open to everything. That's the um, one thing I learned from being, that's one thing, when I look at successful people, that's one of the things that is the common thread is like, they know what they don't know. Yeah. And I learn, man. people that do know. All I do is sit around just learning shit. That's it. I've been in the stocks heavy lately. <laughs> you feel so you me? So you got the, uh, the, uh, the Bitcoin? You know, uh, I got, I got Bitcoin, Dogecoin, I got uh, Ethereum, up, you feel me? I got my stocks. I got some shit, man. So Tesla just uh, bought 1.5 million Bitcoin. Man, they asked, they asked, shout out to Elon, man. Hey, man, take me to the moon, man. <laughs> <laughs> take me to Mars. He's gonna make a lot boy. of people rich, man. Hell yeah, he will. Uh, all right, so look, I like, I like your style. Mm-hmm. I like the way you dress. You feel mm-hmm. me? Um, I like you be posting them, uh, them pictures of like different interior design oh, yeah. and shit like that. We we got some similar tastes, yeah. you know what I mean? So I fuck I with that. it, man. Real clean shit, man. You know, I used to collect. Uh, like like GQ magazines and shit like That's that. I grew, up, I grew up on those. I got a lot of them. <laughs> I just keep them now, just like if I if it's somebody that I know on them, I mm-hmm. like to collect you know the nice ones. You know? Yeah. My last one was the Kanye West. Ooh. That's a real good one, man. Was he on the uh, the recent one where he was like in the, in the Wyoming? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are some beautiful pictures, you know. Uh, but Ew. you know, I like the way you also like brand your shit and, and promote your shit. And I mm-hmm. know your bio says that you uh, do branding. Uh, mm-hmm. Experimental marketing and yeah. design, man. <laughs> Y'all those me? technical yeah, terms. Yeah. Uh, what's that mean to you? Uh, the terms themselves? Yeah, like, or like oh. uh, how they apply to you and oh, yeah. what so, you do exactly in that field. So branding is really, like, that's one thing I think I knew I was good at because, like, people start gravitating and bringing awareness to shit. Like, I was, like, really a bare bones way of doing it. Um, but I'm also interested in, like, people and understand, like, how much branding affects everything we do as far as what we eat, what we dress, how we do anything. Mm-hmm. It's all, in real layman's terms, it's all conditioning or it's really like conditioning someone to understand like have this thing be a part of their life um, in essence. Now there's technical, there's more nuance to it. There's, you know, branding can be broken down into say design mm-hmm. or uh, let's say branding can be broken down into how can I say this? Like, and then like getting too intricate. It's really like to keep it very simple for people who may listen. Is like making bringing something to from an idea to public consciousness. Yeah. Um. And then far as experience, experiential experiential marketing is really marketing that where you have a brand and the consumer, whoever your target market is, and they're experiencing that brand point of view. So, for example, would be like, um, let's say there was something, let's say, for example, I'm trying to get some somebody good. Let's say, for example, if you've ever been to Miami, there's something called Wynwood Walls, mm-hmm. where you probably see the picture at some point where have a lot of these different walls by these murals, essentially, by different artists. That would be technically experiential because you're experiencing this in this marketing but take even take example like even the uh, activation let's say for example um let's say south by southwest which used to be very like which i'm sure you know because you're an artist you probably went down there one or two times yeah i got I, you know what i had a good experience out there yeah most yeah. people do and, and but now it's got to a point where you have a lot of corporations down there 
and they have activation. So like something like Fader Fort, right? Mm-hmm. Fader Magazine is a publication, but they have Fort of Fader Fort, which is like a showcase of artists they fuck with, essentially. That's an experiential marketing ploy. I like that. So, all right, as far as like marketing strategies in this culture, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, it could range from a lot of different things because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different elements to the uh, to the culture. You mm-hmm. know, you got art, uh, music, you got events, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. You know, even like journalism, like what, what, what are we doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say you, you feel like you know the most about? Mm-hmm. Uh, even, people. Even fashion, you know? I would say no about people more yeah. than anything. I think when it comes to like, say, a field, I would say music, and style in art. Yeah. I think that's kind of my wheelhouse when people ask me of things because I just know, I just kind of know how to articulate those kind of things. For sure. Um, But I would say the thing I know the most, most, I guess I know the most is probably people. Mm-hmm. And that comes from knowing myself, but also trying to study how people operate, how they think, how they move. Because I feel like people, humans since the dawn of time haven't really changed, but the things, the environments that we're in cause us they provide the nuance that that makes us who we are at that time. Mm-hmm. So like, like for, I guess a way to kind of give an example would be like, people have always been ambitious. Like you had to be ambitious as a caveman to like want to start a fire so you can cook your food. <laughs> like, but then you also have yeah. to be ambitious now to like, want to have money so you can so you don't have to really cook your food it's all about survival at the end of the yeah, day exactly you know what i mean but uh let's say like okay i saw that you 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 put uh it's, how you pronounce this one is it bojunk bojunk you and these names man yeah i try to create names that like stick but yeah. i realize my 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 uh failure is um, they are often not the easiest to pronounce. Like people think a lot yeah, about man. them. You stay, you stay, uh, you stay in France with it. <laughs> yeah, and I think I like bo- it though because it's cool. So pretty much, bow junk is like short for beautiful. Uh, bow. If you ever heard like a boy named Bo, that's where that comes from. It's like a beautiful. What language boy. is that? Um, that would technically be French. Yeah. Um, and then junk is short for junction, so like a link. Mm-hmm. So like for example, if you have two roads that link, that's a junction or a link in chain gotcha so i'll say like the company the ad agency is a beautiful we, the whole tagline is like we bridge the gap we, bridge, we connect the dots between art and commerce so like commerce being retail and art being the cool factor the cultural the subjectiveness of what art is essentially but using that taste and blending that with the business and that's it. your and that's your next venture right yeah now so so what could you offer somebody if they were to say, hey, I would like to be uh, assisted by your company, Bo Junk? Yeah, so it's a range, wide ranges from a lot of different services, which you can look up on Bo Junk um, Twitter, uh, Twitter handle and Instagram. But as far as like right now, what I'm focused on doing helping is helping local businesses create more of a brand around their, around their, their offering. So for example, what's something I'm really into right now is uh the food space so like the so we have a we definitely have a foodie scene here and i think there's a lot of food influencers for sure but i think for me it's not necessarily about being an influencer like bojunk isn't necessarily about me as an individual that's why like i don't necessarily like people don't see me puppet a lot because it's more about business it's more of a business facing organization so mm-hmm. it's more about reaching out to them to kind of help be their marketing team 
And but doing so to make us different is really tapping into the talent that's locally here. So, for example, the reason I even started Bojack in the first place is because during that, um, uh, during like the riots last summer, uh-huh. crazy time, and seeing a lot of local businesses really fall short when it comes to being just quite frankly tone deaf and not really being empathetic to what was really going on in the weight of that. Like regardless of you, you know, I'd like to see how some of them places is holding up now because I seen some owners getting uh getting getting chewed up because of their views on the internet. Yeah, and I think also it's a double edged show even with that. But like I I had I had to look up like okay, some of these companies, some of these organizations are working with ad agencies. Some of those ad agencies being local, and you know I had to, I did my research like okay, are there any black people? on their teams to where they can navigate for their clients. And I, I realized... I learn something about some ad agencies here who trying to sponsor my podcast. <laughs> you know Don't fuck with me. So I had to realize like, oh, when I started doing my, doing my homework, I realized a lot of these organizations don't... They may have one person of color. That person may be black. And even then, something I'm really trying to hopefully... People who are not black understand. And even people who are not minorities because I'm sure Asian people, uh, Hispanic people, I'm sure... Anybody who's a minority has the same same uh, sentiment, which is, as a black person, there's nuance to that. There's nuance to being black. So, like, I can't speak for every black person. I have my own experiences. I wasn't necessarily, like, for example, and the reason I say that is, like, you can have a black person who grew up well off, but they have no idea how to relate to a black person who's who got out the mud. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you, I like to make sure that like with the ad agency itself is like we're working with people who are in these spaces for different projects. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I work with uh, the Pride Festival, right, I'm not gay. So I can't, there's a lot of nuance to that that I'd have no privy to. But I know people who are in that community mm-hmm. and who are talented. So why wouldn't I go to them? Hey, we have a budget. Let's get you paid for you just knowing how to communicate properly to this audience. Yeah. And on top of that, the whole goal is to make sure that our clients that we work with, it's like the clients, the community, and the creatives that help us are all elevated as one. No one gets the shorter than the stick. It's like everybody wins. And so that's kind of the goal with the ad agency is making sure we're not, we're not just, you know, we're not just taking money, mm-hmm. and but we're doing work that's going to elevate our local businesses, which if we, if we, if, if my theory proves true, at the end of it, like if it proves that like what we're the work that we do works out and it it is is effective and it resonates, then that way all the local businesses elevate, and now we don't have much of a need, or we're not really reliant on outside businesses coming in like a Shake Shack or what have you. Those are great businesses to have elevators, but we, I'm a big person about we we should validate ourselves, and we do that by investing our own money into our local businesses. Now, I, I, you know, I, I wonder if if these businesses even need that much help. You know what I mean? Because sometimes they don't. A lot of this shit is cracking for real, you know. And when I see like the influencers, because I I didn't really realize it was, you know, that every that. This town was so much of a foodie type of town, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And uh, <laughs> I started looking up and following all the uh, all the homies' restaurants and shit mm-hmm. like that. But then I started being suggested like pages on Instagram mm-hmm. where motherfuckers is going around and, and eating shit and posting on, on the gram and you know getting caught off of it, which I mm-hmm. think is hard. You know what I mean? It's crazy. For food. You know what I mean? So uh, you know, I would like to see uh, you know how far how how far um, 
any businesses out here would even, you know, need much help, especially after things start coming back around, man, because, you know, COVID has put a a, a big, big, um, you know, it's made issues for damn near every type of outlet there is in this damn city, you know? Man, the hospitality industry, and that, for people who don't know, consists of anything hotel-related, restaurant-related, nightclubs, to, to be short with you. Anything that you go to pay and have an experience. I felt bad for the homies having to shut down. Yeah, for man. That time, shit was, and it's really, it's still not even, because you lose a lot of business and people don't understand, like, as much as we are a foodie town, one of the things I had to tell people and kind of remind people, like, these people are, they're a business. They're not like a charity. Like, so, yeah. like, they run on slim margins oftentimes. Um, and so when you run on slim margins like that, I had to learn too, just learning, listen to podcasts about food and about the food industry. It's like, um, you, that when COVID hit, like a lot of businesses fell out because they, I didn't know that a lot of those businesses were literally month to month. Like a person would be check to check, they're month to month. Like if they miss one month, they're done. She gets crazy, bro. So, and then it's a lot of people that depend on them as far as their own paychecks. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all of the homies and, and, and shorties out there that, uh, you know, couldn't couldn't be bartenders or, or servers anymore. You know what I mean? That service industry, that shit, that shit really fucked a lot of a lot of people up. You know, so, um, but shit, prayers that everything starts to slide back into place, man. Since, uh, um, do you do you have any? You say you think that everything might you know start sliding back hopefully in the summertime. I think it's, it's like, all predictions anyway. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, like when people ask me, like, "Yo, when you gonna bring Laura?" It's like. I'm very much on the side of like research and so yeah. like in science. So like, yeah, I want to have a good time as much as anybody. Like I love having a ball, but also like I would, I would feel like guilty as fuck if someone got COVID and then passed away. Like I would, Man. because they went to an event of ours and then like, yeah, it may not have been because of us, but we're putting in a, we're creating a situation where that's a super spreader type of event. It's bad enough, man. People, motherfuckers going to just, just the homies crib yeah. You know I mean, everybody in the crib catch COVID yeah. type shit. You know what I mean? And it's so like, a dirty, it's dirty a, time. It's a double-edged sword. And I tell people like, yo, be safe. And like, yeah, we'll do something. Like, I know we're going to definitely do something. If we do nothing else, we're going to do something for the anniversary for sure. But, you know, I'm personally waiting until it's warmer outside where we have the ability to have space. If no one's claustrophobic, you have room to move around and, and breathe. So how you um, feel about the vaccines? You going to take it? Uh, for sure, because I mean, if I want to travel somewhere, I'm sure they're gonna make it to where point like you know back in the day when you had we had to get your, you had to get vaccinated to go to school and shit. So it's like type shit. I mean, I'm I mean, excited. I, I want to take it because I'm ready. To, I need to go on vacation, bro. You know what I'm saying? A lot of you, I'm ready to get the fuck out of here for a minute. And I ain't trying Just to for a little bit because I think that's what's, what's going to happen. And at some point this year, they're gonna do something where like it's gonna be travel related, where like you have to have a vaccine or you have to have something. Saying you can move around, cause yeah, man, shoot me up, man. Make it, make it snappy, man. I got shit to do. Man. I feel that. Well, shit, man. Uh, thank you for for coming back around. Of course. And and, and uh, man, redoing this for the third time. Bro. <laughs> third but time's a charm. I'm glad we got this extra information now. We got past the point, man, cause that shit was frustrating, bro. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. It's it's a thing, but uh, I want to say thank you one more time. And can, uh, thank can you, you shout out your socials for the people? Let yeah. them know. Let them know where to find you. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Pitch for Pennies. Pitch like softball pitch, uh, for F O R and pennies like what's in your pocket. Um, and where's that name come from? Uh, you ever heard like the phrase "work for pennies"? Yeah, 
I kind of just flipped it because I like I pitch ideas, so I'm like, well, shit, let me pitch your <laughs> pennies. But I'm Hell not yeah. trying to p- pitch for no little money. Fucking um, with it. <laughs> but yeah, also, uh, I'm gonna just shameless plug. Got line of pitch coming out in about a week or two, or it may come out when you hear this when this comes out. Uh, whenever this comes out, um, doing a show where it makes you uh, laugh, <laughs> think, and cry, and we break down song lyrics. Hopefully we can get Drake on here yes. and we can bring down some of his uh most pivotal and most poignant bars. Man, hey, um, look, hey, look. The breakdown <laughs> of the bars, man. Hey, look, hey, look. I don't know. <laughs> I just be talking shit. That's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Coming from the heart. Yeah, hell yeah. Heart and mind. Fuck yeah. I'm excited for that, man. And um, man, look, one more time. Thank you for, for stopping by again. Thank Sorry you. about that other shit. Hey, shout out to everybody <laughs> listening, man. Hey, man, do me one favor, man. Hey, look, man. Hey, man, tell somebody you love them today, man. Mm, I love man. you. All right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Bye.